Hey girls and geese. Hey gays. girls and geese. Why do you always pause when I join you musically? Because Nyak, you're jealous. <laughs> you are green within me. Welcome back to another episode of I Said What I Said, the podcast where we are closing the gap between where we are and where we want to be, who we are and who we want to be. Absolutely. What are we talking about today, Nyak? Oh, uh, today's a really cool episode. Uh, we are talking about um, the very topical topics of self-care versus toxic self-preservation uh, when it is one versus the other, specifically through the lens of community, dating, communication, and ostriching. Ooh, what could that be? I know. Yeah, I know. Very so confusing. That's awesome. So we go through all of those things and we talk about like when we are helping or hurting ourselves, what it could look like and how to tell the difference. So we go into a lot of detail um, with our lived experiences because the devil is in the detail with this kind of topic. Um, and it's an understanding the nuance and the context through which we're behaving that we can understand when is it self-care versus when is it toxic self-preservation. Um, and with anything, I think the more we know ourselves, I believe that it's so important to be honest with how we behave and understand how we behave so that when we're on our bullshit or when we're um, self-actualizing, we're really clear about what we're doing um, because that just makes it more pleasurable and less yeah. painful. Announcements. 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 So FYI, it's staying. I said what I said. This is the first time I'm finding out, by the way, just so everyone knows the tumultuous life I live. Um, so it's I said what I said. Um, and then please keep giving us feedback. Our first two episodes, we had no music. We just started like raw. <laughs> we just literally started. And then our friend, um, Andrew, he said, he's like, guys, don't you want to add like some music, you know, make this a little less jarring. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's so true. So please, um, if you have any like suggestions on how to make it fun and popping and cute, like sonically, please message me because yeah. I think pushing yourself for pushing yourself's sake is really fun. Um, what else do I need to announce? Oh, and I have a bone to pick. Before we even, th- we haven't oh even God. announced what's happening on this podcast. Who is in trouble now? The Australian listeners. Oh my God, what have they done? Oh you people. God. What have you done? Hey, fight me. What? Meet me in Randburg Square. Because you Y'all don't know how rough Randburg Square is, by the way. It's not really rough. It's not even rough. You're just... It's full of blacks. Yeah, that's the thing. You're just racist. <laughs> um, so a few Australian listeners proceeded to enter my DMs to gasp me about my accent. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty spot on. Like, you're, you're really there. And I was like, oh, word? Really? Like, several. So I proceeded to make an offering. I'm a voiceover artist. I started to offer Australian accents for money and I got two jobs and oh my gosh, guys, it was a catastrophe. I sent in the voiceover. First of all, it was so hard to do. There's so many words in Australian accent like gone. How do you pronounce that? Gone. No, gone. Gone. Gone? Gone. Like G-O-R-N. He, he's already gone. Not... Like even I'm just like literally pulling out my hair right now. So I sent this this thing to him, um, and I completely forgot to remember that when I do a British accent for a client, when I do an American, those are really big, like countries, and have such variant accents that you can get away with something that sounds a little mixed. But Australia, the only market for an Australian accent is Australia. So this person rejected. (laughs) He said he wanted his money back, and he's like. You sound like a boy and not even an Australian one. And I was like, "Um, first of all, I'm not Australian. (laughs) You're correct. Second of all, 
Take your money because you're absolutely right. That was a trash. I have to actually, I'll put a sample in. Should I put a sample Please in? Please put a sample on in. On my voiceover? At this point, from what you've told me, I would say that you may be experiencing the symptoms of a condition known as OCD. Are you familiar with this? Oh my God. So thanks for nothing, all you folks down under. Um, wow, yeah. So yeah. I was just like, I couldn't believe how gassed I was. Well, there you go. Now you know who your friends are. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in. <laughs> sore, 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 sore. So today's topic was inspired by, um, I took a trip back home. I'm from Uganda and I was there for two weeks and I just, it was truly the year of realizing things. Like the year of just realizing stuff and everyone around me were all just like realizing things. So basically, I have a theory that some countries and some cities or some living situations like village versus city are much more community based. There are, there are cities in the world where they're designed so that you don't have to speak to a single soul and you can get everything you need. In New York. Hey. Oh. And London. Um, London, you don't have to speak to a single soul. You can just get that small little tube map with the colors Look at where you have to go. Go there. You don't have to speak. You don't have to leave your house. And then there are other cities like Kampala where it is a social economy. Um, things that should be, things that should be like standardized, like getting documents or getting an official, getting a, um, I don't know, a license, a permit, a passport. You need to know people For all the way from that, from the top to the bottom, um, how to travel when you get into what we call their matatus, their buses, there's no like signage. You just have to know what to do in the same way in Joburg, like their signs, hand sign, like the signaling yeah. for where you're supposed to go. So an outsider um, has to have an insider. And what that taught me, it's frustrating. It's frustrating um, if you're coming with your New York or Joburg energy and you arrive into that kind of setting. But it really showed me how much we've strayed from community and how much like, We've just lost so much like salt of the earth living that we had before capitalism and the white man came on his boat. <laughs> and <sighs> I mean, and the white man must have had it before he embarked on the boat. Yeah. I wonder where white people lost their minds. I, hmm, I wonder because the Danish were pretty sane. I feel like for the longest time when they were. Wait a minute. They or were Vikings not even the Danish. The Vikings. Yeah. Those people, I really like them. I really fuck with the Vikings. They had a lot of culture and interesting traditions. Um, in between invading everybody. Yeah, but it was it was other whites. <laughs> like honestly, that's <laughs> True, like that's not my business. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. <laughs> no, but yeah, I I don't actually know. I don't know. I haven't really googled. And that's another thing we need. Just how we have like African American studies in school. Why don't we just have white studies? Because white people be tripping. <laughs> don't you think? What do you mean? I think we need a study on whiteness, on like whiteness. Like where it came and from. And white what people. actual history is, what their cultures were, what they, where are they from? I guess. I, I want to know why they move mad. I'm not interested in their ethnography as much as why do they move mad? Why is well, a level of um, psychopathy, psychosis, um, cruelty seem low-key second nature? Because it can't be, it's a coincidence of like a couple did a, a few bad things, but the overwhelming majority or enough of enough, a tipping point is reached for like white culture to just consume, not white culture, whiteness, to just mm. consume everybody, including white people, like no one's safe. White people are suffering under whiteness too. But um, that's a segue. So 
I started to think about community and about like toxic self-preservation versus just self-care and about the ways in which we're so transactional with how we deal with relationships now, but we only look at very limited dimensions of transaction and we are obsessed with like equalness and delivery um, to a, to a fault maybe. So in Kampala, there was a lot of my family would like ask things of each other that for me were just like really too demanding or really asking people to overextend. There was a point where, so my cousin was late to work and she was running to work. And my mom was like, we were in my cousin's house with her mom. So my mom said, oh, I need a new phone case. And then my cousin's mom was like, oh, please go buy your auntie a phone case. She's leaving in two days. She can't wait. And my cousin's like, I've got to go to work. And auntie was like, no, no, no. Like she needs Ah. a phone case, please. Like, please do this. And so my cousin like half time was like, okay, I'll go. And she went and got a phone case. What? Can you imagine that in any, I could actually call the police. I swear that's like a crime. And then, and then <laughs> our cousin still proceeded to go to work. And she an went late. late. Yeah, she went late. But the thing is like the system, that kind of delay. So she was late. And let's say she worked at a government office. There must've been somebody who needed those papers to go on a flight tomorrow. So they missed their flight. So there are repercussions of that kind of accommodating of like community first. Yeah. But in the same way as the repercussions, they also are like social rewards. So that's a small example, but that happens all the time where everyone's being asked to overextend and everyone does. And so it's actually balanced in that way. Right. Um, Cause someone always has your back. Yeah. So yeah. it's, so I wanted us to look at the ways we do and don't do that now in our like Western facing cultures. Yeah. So even in South Africa, it is an African country, but it's Western facing. Yeah. Um, there's an aspiration to be like the West, whereas Uganda is really like clearly not interested yeah. um, for better and for worse. So <laughs> let's just discuss that. Um, me and Yak, we divided this into like a few sections yeah. just to make it make sense. So the lenses are um, the ways in which we are, we have toxic self-preservation tendencies in community, communication, dating, and ostriching. Ostriching is, is, is ignoring, pretending something isn't there because you're afraid of the consequences. When you acknowledge something, then you, you're afraid you'll have to deal with it. Putting your head in the sand. <laughs> I think you should have said that first. That. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive right in. Why don't we start with the definition? What's the difference between toxic self-preservation and, and self-care? Right, 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 right. So um, self-care is is when I pay attention to what I need to be at, to be at peace, when I feed my, like my curiosity, when, when I do what I need to do to be happy, um, to, to feel replenished, to get my energy back, to uh, express myself um, and to, you know, to feel like I'm, I'm interacting with life in a way that I enjoy. That for mm. me would be self-care the, mm. the, that isn't linked to output uh, okay. for, for maybe for anyone else, just for myself. Okay. Um, but in a, in a, like, like a non-financial way or in a non, what's the word? Like you got like non-tangible necessarily way, uh-huh. like getting my nails done. I love it. I feel good. No, you know, and I do it for myself. There's nothing at the end of it. I'm not working towards a certification. I'm not trying to look good mm-hmm. for the gram. Like it's just for myself. Okay. So that would be self-care. And then toxic self-preservation would be where um, I avoid interacting or, or extending myself in any kind of way to, um, in order to preserve or reserve my energy, my time, my, my peace of mind, but it ends up being detrimental to me. So Mm -hmm. in a sense, I can, 
I can only know after the fact, but then at the initially, but with time, I can start to recognize very early on this, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. So you don't always have to wait for after the fact. I think it's like the first few instances you realize, okay, that yielded nothing. And this is where I am because of it. And now you know not to do it again. Or you, or if you do do it again, you can recognize it. I like that. Yeah. I think um, I agree. And I think with toxic self-preservation, I would add that for me, it's um, a paranoia and a, um, it's anticipating um, abuse, misuse, uh, feeling drained, being drained. Yeah. And so acting in anticipation, yeah. which often means not, yeah, which means um, protecting yourself by isolating yourself. Yeah. In um, aspect of community. Yeah. I want an example of where you feel your action has been self-care versus an action that's been toxic self-preservation. Right. Um, okay, so for for me, with toxic self-preservation, it's where I've avoided engaging with community, but generally I can see now looking back, it's because of my insecurities or fears. Um, like afraid of engaging with my peers, um, kind of anxious about like, who am I? What do I do? All those questions that come up, where am I going? Um, that I don't really have, they don't really fit into a box for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, um, for me, I've like, I've let that become a point of anxiety. Um, because I, I do recognize that I have power over that for it not to be like, I can change that. Um, so it's things like that or where I've, I think, oh, right. Man, I drilled it all the way down. So I realize, and it's really toxic self-preservation that stands out more for me than than self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've done is I've I've attributed um, the term, or or I've bought into the 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 notion that things can be a waste of time, which I think has now been to my detriment. I, and I only realized when doing my homework for this this episode. Ten minutes ago. And I say homework rolling my eyes because I mean, why am I being made to work in life? That's still that my... so funny. Me and Gary are going to fight. You Gary, Gary, uh, Gary Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll come ever for meet. your neck. Dude. And he'll be ready because he wakes up at four and practices. I love Gary. He's amazing. His oh, little yeah. head. I know. And his earnest eyes. It's definitely... No, that's rude. I was going to yeah. describe no, no, how it's no. shaped. I, I don't no, think no, that. no, that's no, rude. No, yeah. but no, 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 I, oh, and God. I didn't mean to be rude. I'm just saying, I want someone to be rude. And now she's going it's endearing. It. I'm stopping there. I hope someone one day comes and goes, oh, your head is shaped like a bus. <laughs> People do, you know, dad, every day laughs at my head shape. My head is shaped like a bus, <laughs> but no, not a narrow, not. but not narrow. It's more a double decker. Marine. You know those, Um, no, no, no. Those ships that go to war. Submarine. But on top. A tanker. Yeah, I guess like the Russian ones, the ones that go go to war, but they're on top of the water, not inside. The planes can take off from. Okay, yeah, maybe something like that. <laughs> and I'll still get, and I'll still take your man. Still you ever? She absolutely will. Jesus. Oh God, now I lost my fucking train of thought. No, I remember it. You were saying, oh, things yes. are a waste of time. Things are a waste of time. So now because I have that notion that things could be a waste of time. I'm very precious about where, where I waste my time or use it wisely before I've even gone there. But so, so I will think of a, a gathering and then think, oh my God, but how about if I go and no one's interesting and they're all like, you know, religious or they're all interested in things that I'm not. And this is no shade to anyone that's religious um, and or et cetera, et cetera. And I get nothing out of it. Then I'll come back and I'll have wasted my day. And I, you know, yeah. as if it's the only day I have in my life, as if, 
I can, that things can happen that I won't learn from as if people don't have any gems at all that I can gain from. So, which I think has been a big detriment to me. But if I forgot about the notion of anything being a waste of time Mm. and everything being a learning experience, I can choose not to engage in something because it's not something that I want to, that I've learned that that's not somewhere I want to be, Mm. but I don't. Yeah. So I've avoided things because of fear of wasting my time or of being tired, like being tired will kill me. And like, I need to, like, I think you even said in your post, like I need to store up energy for some magical day when I can use it all. Like, what is that about? Accurate. Hey. And, um, just to quickly add, so when Yaki, I'm speaking for you, I'm sure you'll agree. When you said religious, um, I think what you're referring to is like denoting, um, experiences where people are kind of close minded and also, um, discriminatory yes. and like that experience of, yes. of, of people who are attached to religion and religious texts in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really just does come from my own trauma from being within a religion and, and feeling plural religions. <laughs> you tried everything, girl. You done dipped your dick everything in everything. <laughs> girl, it's wet. <laughs> it's stay wet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. Um, I agree. And that's me too. So, um, Nunu will be happy to know. I am social. Nunu, I'm social now. <laughs> I actually move. I go out of my house. Um, I am more, I say more yeses than noes to hanging out. And, um. Is this since Uganda, by the way? This since Uganda. So, I'm so new. Just so you all know, that's exactly, what, four days ago? Four days ago. Okay. Well, because I went to, so every second day, and I'm not joking, I really am not. There were 14 days there. Every second day, there was a, either a six hour wedding. So there was one woman who had, in our culture, there are a few weddings, basically. So she had three weddings, each was six hours. So that's 18 hours I went to. Then um, another person's wedding, that's another... Oh, excluding getting ready time. So you're getting ready from 8 a.m. The wedding starts at 1, but people show up at 3. And then you stay. We stayed Jeez. till 8. Then we went for drinks at the bar, at the club. My aunties went for drinks at the club. I said, are you wow. mad? Me. And you don't even drink. I don't go to the club or drink. So I was like, ma'am, I need to leave. And they stayed there having a good time. So since then, I kind of assumed I'm quite dramatic. I just didn't really see my future after these 14 days. I kind of just thought I would die. Yeah. You know, I didn't think I I couldn't even fathom being alive after all the socializing. So I am sick because my body has literally crashed. But what I learned was that it cannot kill me. Hmm. And that socializing end of the day, it's just a whole bunch of experiences and I think if you allow yourself to be, allow yourself to leave, then you might as well go because you know you can leave at any time. But if you guilt yourself or allow people to guilt you, that's when it, you'd rather, you'd like, I'd rather just stay at home because like mm-hmm. there's no exit. And that's the same with dates. Like it's easy to go if you know that you'll just leave if it's trash. That's right. That's um, right. And so I have that same experience. Yeah. And for me, um, so that's my, I have the same, that's my experience of like, Toxic self-preservation is definitely avoiding hanging out with people who haven't been vetted. Yeah. So I used to have this thing and I said it on my Instagram that like, if I don't trust my friends to make good friends, I just won't ever go to their parties or hang out things because I don't want to have conversations that aren't interesting. Yeah. Um, but now I realized there really is no point when I, I'm really internalizing that there's no point to life. Nothing matters. And you're just a set of experiences. Yeah. So when I die, I'm just a set of experiences. So I might as well go and have dumb bitch conversations Literally. or be bored out of my mind or Literally. like fight with someone at a party. Like, why not? Do you why know, not? This is the thing, though. And this is the thing that um, I'm really grateful for this topic making me or helping me remember is that 
without exception, whenever I've watched a documentary or um, heard of an old person talking about their lives um, and either their regrets or the joyous moments, each one revolves around loved ones or people and moments they had with humans. Like none of it was is about that binge on Netflix. Was it? no, never. Or about you know whatever that party they didn't go to. Thank God they didn't waste their time. That's like it's true, just yeah. never ever ever about that. Like it's all about people and the interactions they had with people that they love or whatever. And and love like and you can only share that with humans. That's so true. Yeah. And I think when you leave, when you don't leave the house, you're guaranteed to not have a bad time and not have a good time. Yeah. Potentially good time outside. <laughs> yeah. Um. But when you do leave the house, that idea that like magic can happen, you never know yeah. where you're gonna make a new friend. That feeling of clicking with another yeah. girl at the yeah. party. I know. That feeling. That's why bathrooms in clubs. In clubs. Are the best. You know what I mean? The feeling of like. Flirting with somebody and it not yeah. leading anywhere and going home and just feeling like, wow, like yeah. that was nice. This person like saw me and I saw them. That feeling of trying a new recipe Dude. that like your friend made and now you know a new cheese. Yeah. Like yeah. you didn't know about this cheese. You didn't know how to make asparagus this way. That's like invaluable stuff. Dude, that's beautiful. Do you know? Yeah. So um, I love that. Yeah. And too. I think I'm also, I'm trying to prioritize I'm really trying to see my, I'm trying to think of myself as a computer and computers or as AI. And like the more data you give it, just the better it functions. That's so, a lovely like analogy visual. Mm, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Do oh, you remember God. that AI that turned racist on Twitter? <laughs> After In what? like eight hours? It must have been less. It was very short. It was a full, it was at least a half yeah. a day. It was a day, Actually, I think at least. Retta was on this podcast talking about it. Yeah. I remember she did her Google. And, and I was like, like yep. Hey, you Jewish gypsy coon. No, 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 no. I hate niggers. Like, it was just... Damn. And, and you were like, ooh, relatable. I know. I was like, damn. <laughs> Should have coffee. Okay. Um, so, self-care. A difference. One thing I experienced on my trip to Uganda. Uh, I think we all know it's homophobe central. And... It's not just phobe. Don't they kill gay people? Uh, yeah. That too. Well, that was a cloud of darkness. That too, yeah. Um, and so, hmm. It's so funny. When I was a kid, I'd always ask my family and everybody about like, what is your opinion on the gays? And they'd be like, why? Are you gay? And I'd be like, oh, of course not. I'm just, I care enough about humans to care if you feel that way. And now, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it was literally because I was queen gay. Oh, I thought you were hiding it. No, I actually didn't. Be I believed that myself, that I was just so benevolent. And even me, I was like, wow, I'm such a benevolent person to care about something that doesn't affect me. I really remember thinking that as a kid, like, I'm so generous with my spirit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just kind of, I would ask a couple of my family about what they thought about um, homophobia, especially if they presented themselves to be um, somehow open-minded. I was curious to know how that intersected and how they made sense of that, especially also if they um, felt they were religious, I, yeah. you know, I would ask. Um, but I'd also, like, I was careful with who I asked and how much I asked and, like, where to stop because I have no interest in changing anyone. Um, and I also believe, which is not true because I think anyone can change, I believe once you believe someone else doesn't, like is less deserving of you because of who they are, you're already kind of so far gone that that's now, I'm not quite really qualified to deal with that. So I just like don't believe in debating beyond our curiosity. 
Right. Yeah. So I wouldn't debate to change minds. I'd debate as far as it was like interesting. Yeah. And as far as we we're hearing each other, as far as I was trying to understand them and them understand me, but not to change a mind. And Is it so, still interesting if they don't want to understand you? Okay. So when they don't want to understand is when I stop. Right. Yeah, when I can see them thinking about what I said, like, hmm, that is curious. Hmm, then, then yeah. Okay. But um, when there's no thought, mm-mm. especially so um, I was chatting to one of my cousins uh, whose belief, their homophobic beliefs are based in religion. And I thought, if you believe there's something so wonderful and beautiful and loving as a God, and you believe that same entity could say, I love you all except the gays, that also... Mukundwa can't undo that over eating samosas and beef stew <laughs> at a wedding. So self-care for me comes in picking my battle. First of all, actually no battles, not battling anyone. I'm actually not here to battle. Right. Um, and just minding, understanding that, really deciding, am I going to choose to love and see this person as a whole complex person and respect them as much as I respect myself, even if they think that my humanity is less or doesn't deserve to be on this planet and I have to make those decisions yeah. and then kind of move accordingly. So that's my self-care, which I think is quite an interesting one for people who are in vulnerable communities. So yeah. queer spectrum, um, I think physical uh, or expressed disabilities where people discriminate um, because it's expressed and they can like physically yeah. see them. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a thing like we all disagree on. I don't think, I don't think my opinions like shared or popular, but um it keeps me like sane as well. Yeah. Especially because you've decided these are the, these are the people that you want to have in your life. And therefore this is what you will do in order to exist in that space with them. Yeah. And I think I know the alternative, like if we're being real, so I'm from Uganda, I'm not from California. I'm from Uganda. They try to pass laws about like, we know what Uganda is like with gay people. And if I don't have a family, um, well, I enjoy them first of all. And how a lot of people see, it's one thing to ask me to leave bits of me at the door, but no one's asking that. And it's another thing for me to put myself in danger by by communicating a part of myself that I don't share with yeah. them anyway because it's none of their business anyway. Yeah. Because I, I kind of thought about that. I was like, should I really like tell them, you know, should I tell some of my family? And I thought, mm-hmm. well, they haven't asked. And what yeah. would I be doing for myself? Yeah. What is, who's owed the quote unquote truth or who's owed that? And I if I was straight, I wouldn't tell them who's, Who's who was choking me out? Whose dick I was yeah. gagging on? So why would I now tell you whose pussy I'm licking? Agreed. Yeah. So I think um, <clears throat> I think how we think about our our identities and who we choose to share them. I think sometimes we feel, and I think it's like a white gay thing about like this idea of coming out and transparency, as if you haven't come out then you're not being transparent. Yeah. And it's really different in different communities. Yeah. There's a there's a it's a lot different That's at stake. That's so true. Yeah. Like, I mean, I agree with you and I don't, I don't like the concept of coming out. It just feels very, um, like it's, it lacks integrity from the, like not everyone has to do it. Like, so if not everyone has to do it, why do only some people have to do it? Like it's just doesn't. Oh, when you say everyone, mean even straight people should come out and like communicate their Yeah. So if they have nothing to communicate, then why, why would I? So, and look, and again, this is coming from someone that doesn't feel like they have to come out f- to anything or for anything. So being being forced to declare something, I just think is, is absolutely. I think it's rubbish. I think that people. It's really odd. Yeah, I really, really do. I really, really yeah. do. But also, I think what I was also. Quite... The only people that need to come out are racist, so that we can put them in a in a pen in a coop. Really? On, a, on an island. Do you think racists should be allowed to Mars when we when Elon takes us? 
It depends, eh? So if that racist can like heal and like, you know. Top surgeon. Top surgeon. And they had to operate on the blackest of blacks without discrimination. Yeah. But if they were just a farmer and we have many farmers. No. Really? <laughs> let him burn. Let him burn. No. Let him die. Let him really? die. Well, look, no, look, this is just. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I hear what you. No, you know what? Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think that. I'd, I, I just fight for my own life. I don't care who's who else is going on it. <laughs> oh my god! I'm being serious. You're shoving kids aside. I absolutely to get would. your seat yeah, because come on. everyone has merit and everyone has demerits. So, <sighs> what does it matter? <laughs> Between you, let me just understand this. There are two seats. Yeah. You, an eight-year-old, and a five-year-old let are me running. Say this now it'll always be me. <laughs> Carry on with your scenario. <laughs> I can't deal with this bitch. The five-year-old is my child. Still, it's me. <laughs> that is so funny. No, I'm joking. Then it's my child. Hmm. Next. <laughs> and what I also find, I also just thought Mukundwa, like, it's so, I couldn't be more obviously communicating to that everyone. I'm queer. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you get that. Oh, no, no, no. This... But like, on, like in oh. my, my podcast is readily available. My Instagram is readily available. People exactly. be knowing. Um, It's just that, which I really respect that it's none of their business or they've chosen to ignore it as well yeah. because they it's conflicting with their beliefs. Yeah. And let's just keep it pushing. Yeah. I like that. That's what I mean. Exactly. It didn't, didn't someone that like one of our relatives tune in for like 50 seconds and go, Oh, you guys are wild. Yeah. She's like, you guys out. are extra. Yeah. I, and in the first line of our podcast is, you know, yeah, hey, girls and gays. So. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about, the next one, dating. Yeah. Um, about like avoidant behavior in dating. When is that self-care versus when is that... Eh, this is word is so long. TSP. <laughs> toxic, toxic self-preservation. So me. Yeah. Um, weird self-care is where... So I'm not dating this year and that's because I knew I just didn't have the range. I don't have the emotional maturity, sense of self, the emotional sensitivity. I didn't have the amount of detachment needed. Um, my relationship to men and like masculinity is cooked, is messy. Um, and so I knew I'd just be ruining my life and someone else's. So for me, that was definitely self-care. Um, where it was toxic is, and I've talked about this on my story, is I look to queerness as an uncomplicated answer. I think I've often said like, yeah, but with, you know, female relationship, women to women or non-binary to non-binary, it's so different. Like they're, um, we're so similarly aligned in terms of our emotionality and how thoughtful and considerate we are. We are socialized so similarly. And so therefore there's a connection. And like some of my friends will uh, message me were like, not at all. Like women are psychopaths too and nuts. And Do you know, cool. every time anyone said that to me, I've been like, it's like I, I glaze over. I'm like, mm, no. I know. Because yeah. we want the fantasy of an uncomplicated yeah. relationship. And that really flattens queer identity um, makes it a monolith, makes it also just like a caricature. Um, yeah, that I'm also just able to lean into because I'm like straight presenting and a yeah. woman. And so it's uh, the way I, ha- I engage with queerness is just different. I love that you think you're straight presenting. Oh, but I, of course I am. Okay, besides like the the bat signals of like my five piercings on each ear. <laughs> what else? Short hair. I don't know. Four shoulders. <laughs> I could be the Instagram thing. Oh, oh yeah, Instagram. Yeah, but I just I mean that like I think I buy into the 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 straight gaze G A Z E of queer female um or 
femme, um, femme relationships. And in a way, gaze of the straight gaze. So you know how like, how men, queer relationships, femme relationships, oh. lesbian relationships are much more accepted because they're eroticized for yeah. the male gaze. Right. So I think I still, and I think we all, you can't, it's very difficult to escape. I think we never escape to some extent the dominant gaze of what it is to be queer. And you're constantly negotiating that um, because we live in, we are, we live as a subsection to society. Yeah. And so that's just the lens I see myself through still, um, which will co- constantly be interrogated in the same way I see myself through the lens of whiteness. And I just said, I can interrogate that consistently, um, consciously and subconsciously. So I just think that's like a privilege is when you don't look, um, I could be trans. I don't look trans. And so I won't be treated as a trans person the same way I could be queer but i who who would know people assume you're straight until you're not and i just get that privilege and so it's very easy for me to i kind of adopt that lens as well when looking at relationships because i've also never had a female relationship it's uncomplicated and like simple in my mind and that's definitely um yeah just like oversimplicate oversimplicating condescending but like clearly not from a place of um uh malice but just from like a straight person's gaze because that's how i've been living is it low-key fetishizing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. We have to have an episode. I'm also definitely... I've clocked my racism as well in like... I thought black people couldn't be racist. Um, People say that. Mm. So when people say black people can't be racist, <laughs> I think it's a really interesting... I've used it as a as a free ticket. Yeah, no, I understand. But I think sometimes it's a it's a... What are those, like a tongue twister to catch? You know, someone's like, what's yeah. wrong with this picture? And you're like, it's that, everyone gets it wrong. Yeah. And it's like snide. It's like, no, 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 you got it wrong. It's that thing. Yeah. Um, especially like with sentences and you miss the comma, like those funny, like, yeah. it's the same thing where they haven't, they, people don't define what they mean by racist. So when someone says racist, they mean structurally oppressive. Um, so structurally oppressive, I cannot be. Yeah. Macrocosmically, structurally, no. But... Um, in terms of in my community now, I can be racist. I can be prejudiced. I do hold more power in certain um, contexts to a white, a poor white person in certain contexts, not in all of them. Um, but in certain ones, I do have more power. So I don't, um, I think it's, I can understand why that conversation, it. yeah, is important to some black people, but I think it can, unfortunately, it can kind of um, derail from the fact that we can be abusive and harmful um, in, in many other ways to different people, different classes. Like it just flattens, racism can kind of just like flatten the dynamics yeah. a bit. So yes. Okay. So for myself, um, how have I avoided dating in a self-care kind of way? Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's been the last seven years devoid of the D. No kidding. Not That's the- been self-care. No, 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 no. That was a joke. Um, um, seven. Well, I think I don't know how long it's been. I haven't dated in a while, but um, consciously not dating this year as well for me, or the last two or three years really was just knowing, I I'm not in the mental space, in the emotional space, mm. uh, to engage with a person on that level. Mm. Uh, so I'm not going to stress myself out by beating myself up for not being in a relation, not having been chosen by a person and being in a relationship and being loved by someone else when I have all this loving to to work on and to do for myself right now and actually I want to prioritize that. So for me that was that's been a great decision. Was it conscious? Yeah. 
Really? You never yeah. talked to me about it. This year I didn't want to date. For sure, for sure. I didn't really? want to date anyone. But it, I mean, it's like, but if I had met some, I wasn't putting any effort into dating and I w- and that didn't bug me at all. Okay. If I had met someone, I, I'm, if I had met someone, I would consider it, but I'm glad I haven't met someone. So I, I really yeah. feel like it's, it's really been, yeah, good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then toxic self-preservation with, in terms of dating would be like, um, so even though I've had this wonderful, you know, time away from uh, dating, I haven't done all the work. So, yeah. so in a sense, it really needs, I really, really, if I'm going to do the work, I need to do the work if, if I know what my goal is. And if it is that I would like to date eventually or to be in a relationship or whatever it is, my, the, the self-preservation now is like really having all this anger, especially towards black men and then white men and then all men and not doing the work to, to heal, um, myself. And therefore I keep keeping myself away from, uh, I, I avoid men and I don't, it's almost indefinite until, mm. you know. So anyway, I'm, I'm about to embark on doing all of that healing work. So it is, I am getting, I am becoming a better person. Um, but yeah, that, that I think would be toxic self-preservation. Like I, I, I keep myself safe from men, but until when or for what? And then I have all this, it's toxic because I'm hurt. So <clears throat> I'm angry that I want to be with a man, but mm. I hate men and they're horrible. And I believe that, but I want to be with a man, although I hate them. And the cycle continues. Mm. So what are you going to do again? You're working on these oh. and you're starting to work on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going for to like um, a workshop. Um, it's about soulmates. But in it, you have to like heal your hurts, release anger, um, you know, just he- heal heal your pain around partners and love, being loved and mm. loving and all of those things. So I'm going to be doing that work, which I'm very excited for. That's so um, cool. Yeah, because my fear, one of my fears is like engaging with someone when I'm not in in a healthy space and then just like being swept away by their tide and really forgetting about my own life and losing my focus and mm. and then having all this dirty shit come up, you know, that's festered from nowhere or from way back when I should have dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then in terms of communicating, avoidant behavior. Yeah. So for me, where I've been um where self-care has where I've been avoidant but it's been self-care yeah. has been not responding immediately yeah uh, and I asked I put a poll up and I said is not responding immediately self-care or is that just bad behavior although your polls are extreme you said is not responding <laughs> god Mukunda. you just made it so extreme like if you haven't responded in seven days yeah that, you say it's extreme but when you think about you that's the minimum Think honestly, Yankee. Think we about it. We need to look at the average of people in general. I don't think I'm an average. You're not an average. Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of us do that, though. We're not. We're not the only people who don't respond for seven days plus. Because seven days for me now, that's like a full. That's like a. That's that like the moon me. has moved. Has done. You know. Oh yeah. yeah the yeah, galaxies yeah. have been shifting like seven Literally. whole days. Yeah. No. No. Your womb has done things. I know. I mean, I responded, ish, like a year later. One of my friends. <laughs> But, um, so I think I'm, <laughs> to be fair, someone responded to me four years late, but they weren't my friend. But still. Just don't respond. Like, what the hell is that? Really? Absolutely. Start a new conversation. Someone invited you to an event, Nyak, and you didn't respond for, what, over a week? 
I didn't like the way they asked me. <laughs> they directed me to be there. And I was like, well, what you're going to do is eat it, <laughs> sir. Oh. So. so I think the reason why it's self-care for me is, um, and someone mentioned a really smart person who listened to our podcast. What's her name? A really, really smart person. And she was like. Oh, one of my friends. No, 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 definitely not. She Ooh, was like. I hope y'all hear this. Come for me. I'm here. Randbook Square. She was like, um, social media complicates things. Um, and the level of like quickness we expect responses can be confusing. However, like we're also not picking up the phone and calling people. Um, and then like back in our parents' day, they just pick up the phone and talk and finish yeah. and then go to coffee and finish. Whereas, yeah. And, and we're kind of not really doing that stuff too much. Um, sometimes we have to schedule calls. Or schedule calls just to schedule a call. Like have a call about when we're going to really call each other. <laughs> and I have so many groups about like Skyping. So many groups about like we're going to Skype. And we're trying to get this group together. And like there's so much communication about just finding a, a time. And I'm really confused at why anyways. We're so much more busy apparently than any other generation. Um, I think digital our digital lives take up a lot of space. Um, but I also think ultimately for me I... When you're talking to friends or people online, often your thoughts, our phones are an interrupting presence. So I'll be doing something. I'll be t- trying to learn how to do Facebook marketing. I'm trying to get my coins up. Now, being a message. I look at the message. Oh my God, uh, Mickey, what do I do? This guy, he's done it again. The same guy who's been doing it again since last year that I told you. Yeah, same guy. Same guy that I spent money on brunch just to hear talk about. Same guy. Right. So I'm just trying to focus on Facebook marketing. It's These videos are confusing as fuck. Now I'm supposed to divert my attention, focus on you and come back. It's so distracting. So I like to do my things in batches. Like if I'm going to be on, on Instagram, if I'm going to be on um, yeah, on Instagram, then I'd rather do my social media in the batch and answer everybody then. Because I'm now in that space to engage in people's stories and drama and anything else they want to include me in. But like, if I'm busy, this phone is a literal distraction. You know, we get so little done in our days. When you pick, if you pick up the phone every time it calls for you, mm-hmm. bitch, you'll be fucked. Now we have friends in different places in the world. New York, Brazil, London, <laughs> different time zones. It's totally self-care. Um, but you need to negotiate that. So like some of my friends, one friend I didn't respond to. I didn't think there was anything to say. So I didn't respond to them in two months. Well, the conversation had ended. There was no question mark, right? So it was nothing to say. So I was like, hey, man, let's Skype. They're like, oh, I thought you were like mad at me. And I was like, why? And they're like, oh, you haven't talked to him in two months. And so I was like, okay, we need to start also individually um, discussing what we expect from our friends, their response times. Um, And not so that we adhere, but just so that we understand. And we can either come to a compromise or disagree. But at least I know that for you, it hurts your feelings. If I don't respond to you immediately, I can explain my side. And so you don't have to fill the gap with your own reasoning. And I don't have to fill the gap with my own reasoning. So I think that's like a communication we should have. But I think it's okay not to respond immediately, honestly. Definitely. And then for me, like on top of that, it would be what I need to do is decide or know what brings me peace. So I won't respond immediately, but I know that if it's been, uh, say, 72 hours instead of 48, the minute it clocks over into 49 hours, then I start feeling anxiety. And then it feels like it's been too long, and then it feels like... So I need to take care of myself in that. So take my time until, you know, 
it st- it starts hurting me <laughs> or you know yeah, like not to cross over into that because the, the person that i didn't respond to for a week after two days i still felt good on the third day i felt like shit by day seven i was like well i should i even maybe i should block yeah. my, you know them now and i'm so dead maybe you were gonna block them and move to brazil <laughs> move to argentina there are, a lot of, there are a lot of countries i'm dead um i agree I agree. And I think I want to start being like disciplined, like having an actual time in the day yeah. where I do my, every, anything on my phone. Yeah. Like a four hour slot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where I spend on my phone. So you know what? Like I did an efficiency program when mm. I was still employed by. <laughs> X company X. By company X when I was still in the rat race. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now it's just dude I'm still in the rat race except now there's a cushion bro I lie on the cushion most of the time I know but anyway but um, it's hectic hey you don't have medical aid oh you do but it's <laughs> you keep pointing that out I'm sorry yeah I do I know I'm upgrading at the end of the year I called them today yeah like for your teeth didn't that shake yeah, you yeah no I'm nah, I know now I've got to save up it's fine guys do you know how much my teeth cost me today Mm-mm. Well, she that. she made her bed, so she lay in it. That's true. She was very specific with the kind of care I wanted. Care she wanted the kind of doctor I needed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you paid that. I paid. I paid. I gladly as well. Hey, yeah. yeah. Back to <laughs> what a segue. Back to um, tea time conversation. You were saying it was about communication. <laughs> so my toxic self. Preservation um, with uh, communication. Did you coin this? No, someone, I know someone I did. did. Oh no, no, Ian, Ian did. ISO at ISO. So not confronting my friends and then justifying my expectations of them. Yeah. So and you'll hear this in the previous podcast episodes, especially when you talk about confronting friends and um, mental health. And I think I've said this a few times that any advice or any perspective anyone has is clearly from the lens of what's going right and what's going wrong in their lives. If you listen back, you can hear the vitriol and expectation and irritation I have when um, I feel friends are demanding too much, especially if they have needs, um, particularly in terms of their mental health, that I can't cater to. Instead of me to open my big mouth and communicate, listen, friend, you have anxiety. um, You're my close friend. I want to be around. I don't know. I, I have a thing where I don't know how to support you and I feel so guilty what do you think? Instead of me to do that, I was like, no, the onus is on the person who has the mental health issue to assume and to guess and to anticipate that they will be, um, that that might be a stress factor in their friendship and then them to broach the subject to communicate. And that's not the case. Like, I believe we all have accountability and the way I used to preserve, I used to preserve my, I had such a fear of confronting and hurting someone and having them spiral that I wouldn't be honest with how I was felt I was failing as a friend. So I would resent them. I'd be resentful of being their friend, um, but also feel guilty because I was like, I can't tell them the truth. So that's a way I I try to like preserve my own. And I just ended up hurting the collective. Um, And so anything I say about friendship and mental health and people and anything, of course, take it with the context that this is Makundu and her lived experiences. Because I I, mind you, I talk very differently about friendship now that I've mended all mine. I talk very differently about hand, how to handle them. So if you followed, if you jumped, if it's a sheep who jump off the cliff when they see one jump. Yeah. If you jumped off the cliff with me, that's on you. Because she had a parachute. Because I had a parachute and I'm, I'm good yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> I pretty much feel the same about um, that, you know, within friendship like you're talking about. Not friendship, commu- uh, communicating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, preserving myself not not talking when I would put myself in a position of stress, mm. needing to answer before I'm ready, needed to make a decision before I'm ready, 
taking my time when I need to, I think is good. And that's self-care. Um, and then toxic self-preservation would be where I'm then ruled by my fears and anxieties and consciously and letting it get past the point of comfort for myself uh, because I'm too scared to communicate because of my different fears of rejection. Actually, it's, it all stems down to rejection in mm. the end and not being palatable for other people. Um, yeah, so just not stepping in my power. That's when it, it flips into toxic self-preservation. And then like, yeah, what am I keeping quiet for? Thank you. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That's a big one. I think yeah. a lot of people experience that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Anything else for the communication? Or should we go to your ostriching? Let's go. You also ostrich, bitch. <laughs> you ostrich a lot. I do. I live my a life lot. underground. Yeah. We'll just start there. Um, a so. lot. <laughs> Truly a lot. So with ostriching, I think, and I really thought, that at first I thought there is no case in which this is um, like, self-care mm-hmm. um but but sometimes it's necessary for me to just put my head down and keep moving mm-hmm. when i don't have the answers when i can't see the light when i uh you know when i feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. um th- figuring out why and where did this come from and what does it mean would just i would just spiral further and it's not helpful so put my head in the sand pretend everything is fine and yeah. just keep moving uh, whether I've got to get on with a job, whether I've just got to get on with my day for fuck's sakes, like and not be paralyzed. So that would, I think, would be self-care in that in that context and ostriching. Um, thank God I found a silver lining. But now I have to be careful because I think with ostriching, I think it's quite clear where toxic self-preservation would be. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because that would be, again, kind of going back to like the point right at the beginning where I would preserve my myself, my energy, my time, my engagement, beyond the point of, or, or, or for fear of, of wasting any of those resources as if anything can go to waste if I don't decide to learn from it. So as long as I decide that it can be useful, it will be useful. Basically, that's it. Okay. Yeah. And can you can you further elaborate? Um, I don't really understand the last point uh, about, about the, the how it can be, where's the silver lining? Oh, uh, on you, the... you used an example, a previous example. Can right. you just say what, like, what you mean? Right. So, in connection with the silver lining, mm. it's because initially I had thought uh, ostriching is negative. Period. But the silver lining is that it it is positive when used to uh, uh, what's that word called? Like just to to like hold myself until I know until I until I can calm down, until I can, you know, things come to me, until I can move forward just a little bit more to be able to deal with whatever the situation is. Have I answered your question? I yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You have, so I'm thinking. Th- th- that's all I mean, is that I, I just thought, oh, I ostrich, I, I always put my head in the sand, and that's terrible, and it's what I do, and, you know, it's just one of my bad, bad traits, but I'm realizing that it does have positive aspects. Mm-hmm. As long, but I need to be conscious. So all of the, everything, I think, is just being honest with myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I doing here? Why am I doing it? Okay, so now it's positive. Oh, so now I'm acting out of fear. Okay, right. Now I'm setting my power. Great. Now I'm, now I'm actually taking care of myself great oh now i'm running away okay just being honest yeah facts i love that i think honestly we can be self-destructive be boo with a fool be clowns waste our own time as long as we are honest about it yeah and be like yeah i'm back on my bullshit i'm back on the drugs um i'm back to dating toxic people because i think i'm a piece of trash and i that's how i feel even though i know it's not true i, yeah. I have these thought distortions go ahead go in sis eat enjoy 
enjoy. And when you are aligned, it'll change. Mind you, alignment takes work. So, and yeah. I think we might have talked about so that. So it's more like so. when you align yourself, it'll change. Like it doesn't just happen. You actually have to do, I feel you have to do the work. It doesn't just. Not all of it you. though. Not all of it. Okay. So for me, wh- what I think alignment is, it's kind of 50%, 50-50. So you meet the alignment halfway where you're trying to position. It's kind of like two magnets and you have to do work physically to position yourself for the other one. Yes. And then you you step into that space right. and then things happen, start to happen. There's like, there's like fortuitiveness. It's just like a certain yeah. luck that's around you and surrounding that thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that you're not actively participating in after, yeah. after a while. Yeah. So my self care, interesting one is, was and still is not getting diagnoses because of how much I lean into victimhood. Yep. So I haven't gotten diagnoses. I've definitely had anxiety and depression in the past. And I didn't get diagnoses just because culturally, I just didn't, literally didn't even think to, Dude, didn't know what they were. Literally thinking about that today. I was like, mm, I'm probably depressed and suffer from anxiety, but I'm not going to nobody to get that diagnosed. I want to do this first for myself. I know I'll spiral. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that? What? Is you went and got a whole specific numerology report. Like you like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll but go to you that. refuse. I will not go. Anyone that's like got an official like certificate from a university in the Western. No. You don't want to know anything. I want to know about my angels, my spirit guides. I want to know about energy. my karma. <laughs> and that's why my energy is low or yeah. depression. Like that's fine. Mm, I hear that. I hear that. Um, so yeah, I haven't got diagnoses. Um, I think it, different strokes for different folks. I think... I know so many people who have been so empowered by their diagnoses because it's helped them deal with the issue. They've gotten the help they needed. They know how to look after themselves and they take it seriously. Now that they've been diagnosed, they, they could, they have the permission to take themselves seriously and put their health first. Um, for me, I really find it easy to fantasize about catastrophe. And so, um, I know that if I was diagnosed, I would lean in so heavy Mm. If I was diagnosed with depression today, I'd be in a wheelchair tomorrow. The and you'd be is, like, why are you in a wheelchair? I was like, because I'm depressed. What does that have to do with your legs? Nothing. But yeah. like, I'm depressed. What do you mean? My thing though is like, if you did get that diagnosis, like when, and then say so you could start helping yourself, like when would it end? That's my fear. It's like, it could just then go on indefinitely. Like then who re-diagnoses and says, right, now your depression is, is oh, cured. That's the thing. Interesting. And I definitely want to be out of yeah. it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I don't know. We need to ask or, and research this because I think, I thought, I think mental health and addictions um, and disorders never, and mental disorders don't leave you. You just know how to manage them. Dude, so yeah. now that I've had an eating, strange body dysmorphia and eating disorders, which we all have, by the way, probably all of us. <laughs> don't lump them in. Everyone out there is healthy. You, you, we you, all do, Nyaki. The way we used to, yeah, think about the ways like you would, you know, when you were 16, if you didn't, if you ate little for two weeks because you, you were going to the beach, that is literally now consistently eating disorder. If yeah. you did that consistently. So we, lots of girls and people just were doing crazy things to their bodies, you know, exercising yeah. twice a day for three months and then not doing, that's an actual, that's an issue consistently. Yeah. So I know for me, it's never that I won't have body dysmorphia or strange eating disorders like either binging or under eating but I know that it's just like how to manage them and I feel like that's the same with I think that might be the same with like mental health things you just learn how to manage and they flare up or and don't because honestly I think we're all on the spectrum I actually just yeah. think we're all on the spectrum that of makes sense. kind of of 
um, stress disorders. Yeah. How? Yes, I agree. However, for me, it, what comforts me is knowing that I will be done. Uh, so mm, with the body dysmorphia and all of that, it's like, I really feel like once I come out of this period now, it's like, I can't, that I can be done. Because mm, okay. I just, the thought of suffering forever, it feels like such a waste of time. Yeah. Again, yeah. no disrespect to anything. It, it, for me, it you feels like, that. yeah, I refuse. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I say, see, I said waste of time. I meant like, it's not a wise use of my resources to keep going yeah. back to it. Yeah. I like hear that. Going. I like that. And that's important as well to like hold your truth. Yeah. Oh, close yeah, to yeah. your chest, baby. Yeah. And whatever works for you, work it, eh? So like like you were saying, the people that can get a diagnosis and it empowers them, work Get that. your diagnosis. Get your pills, bitch. Yeah. But for you that suffer. knows you're just going to spiral, then work the alternate. And for me that knows I need to know what my angels are saying, I need to work that then. Mm. Tap in. Yeah. God bless pills. God bless diagnoses. Literally. Um, And then toxic self-preservation has been... <laughs> So I misunderstood what um, manifesting and like abundance mentality was. And I felt that being honest and pragmatic was negative. So with my finances, I would be like, I wouldn't be respectful of them. I wouldn't check my bank balance. I'd overspend and I'd be like, no, no, no. I believe in the abundance of the universe. So the fact that I'm spending means I'm making room for more. Uh, And if I spend, it shows the universe that I feel abundant and if yeah. I don't look, it shows that I only want to hold a big figure in my mind and not look at the small figure. And that is how you manifest, which ended me in McDonald's several times. Um, but now that you're out of McDonald's, do you think maybe it worked in a long way? I don't regret it. Yeah. Look, I've always been a lady of leisure and luxury. And it's always been either on my money, a combination of my money and everyone else's. And I, as I said on my Instagram, I'm I'm pro bumhood. So I don't know what to say. I mm-hmm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, bitch. Whether it was my coin or whoever's coin, I'm here. Right. So who can fault me? Who can fault me? Tell me. One person who can fault me. I'm here. <laughs> did you finish that point though? I kind of interrupted. I think I did. Yeah. Is that that was toxic? Where I thought um, not acknowledging being positive too positive hmm. being delusional i ex- i confused delusion with positivity right. because i didn't understand that manifesting is hugely pragmatic and faith-based yeah. faith meaning faith in your pragmatism and vision Correct. and ability to achieve not faith that somehow leprechauns will enter absa bank and put money back into my account that i've just <laughs> used on sneakers to fund on yeezys as Boba would say <laughs> alak Aradi. Listener questions. <laughs> Someone asked um, about forming community and how to how to kind of handle that. So the communities I'm around are full of people I don't like and I'm, and I'm obsessed with the idea of community. Yeah. However, I don't like hanging around after events or really putting in effort. So what am I left with? Nothing but me, myself and I and a handful of disconnected friends. That's so accurate. It really feels like She's trying to date a bum with the idea of his potential. Why don't you just use, don't use examples. I really like that example. Okay, fine. So, Explain it and you literally have 10 seconds to make it make sense. She's chosen a group of people and been like, you will be my community. Or he, I don't know who this is. Or they. they. The, so they've chosen their commu- the, a group of people or whatever it is and decided you will be community. But they're not even the people that they want to be with. So is there maybe, can they maybe not just find people that they would be interested in or group activities that they'd be interested in and then and just trial. Try this one, try that one. 
and then mm. and see and then then let that become community but may, maybe it's been it might also be that it was dictated to them like it might be a cultural you know group of people or a religious group of people or something like that okay so i think the two parts to a question yeah uh to their question sorry um full she they they have communities around them that are full of people they don't like second of all they don't like putting an effort and hanging out after events so um nyaki you answered the first part which i think you were saying expand oh. Well, well, it leads into the second. I really think if you find the people that you are interested in, then you you won't mind hanging out after events. Like it'll be part of that too. Oh, I I don't believe that. You really don't? No. Even if I like you, I'm not hanging out for fucking ages after the spoken word. I've just sat through four hours of spoken word. You want me to sit around again? It's cold in these countries. People are smoking with wine. I don't smoke. I don't drink wine. My bus is in. You know, it's the last night bus home. And you want me to hang out around? I'm trying to, I'm sure, if I thought hard it's enough, madness. I think I know people that you would... Would hang around for? Yeah, no, because like, even after a thing, I think you could, you would stay and be like, oh my God, let's talk about that. True, but those are my literal best friends. This person talking about community. But so then I don't understand how they know they're upset, they're like, they're obsessed with the idea of community. Like, so what is it about community that then, maybe they need to unpack that more. What are they obsessed with if they actually don't like the <laughs> socializing? <laughs> I'm obsessed with community, but I hate community. being around. <laughs> People. Yeah, friend, I think you need to unpack. Mm. Um, I also think maybe um, if you can expand your net further, I think everyone, everyone in every city always says that the social scene is so small. Everyone. Whether it's literally the smallest city or the biggest. Yeah. So that's a lie. We know that. Maybe try expand your reach um, online and offline. And yeah, I think you might have to put a concerted effort. Uh, you know, unfortunately, people are like boring in your spaces. And then hanging out after events, consider alternatives you enjoy. So I won't hang out after the spoken word. But oh my gosh, let's all get on a WhatsApp group and let's go for um, go-karting like next week or let's go for coffee. Like put up, make it in your terms. Come over to my house, I'll cook. Um, find a way to socialize that like benefits your sensibilities. Yeah, that's a good idea. Much better than what you were saying. No, I think mine was brilliant. It was confusing. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't listening. Maybe. I think I wasn't listening. Possibly. So another, another uh, thing from someone. I'd love you to speak on whether or not you believe compassion is a finite resource. I often hear people talk about feeling emotionally exhausted by doing right by family and friends. And I just find that really strange. I think when compassion is done right, it's mutually nourishing. But folks seem to confuse the general need for a mixture of alone and communal time with some ratio between self-care and self-expenditure. Let me know if you need any clarification. This person is a philosopher. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to break this up. Is compassion a finite resource, number one? Um, people confuse alone and communal time with um, self-care and self-expenditure. Uh-huh. Okay. Is uh, compassion a finite resource? I think that yes and no. I think it's very important to know what um, one's own boundaries are. And um, so for me, if I know what family's kind of like, how far I really want to go, and then to think ahead of time what my nose will sound like, how I will like opt out and how I can keep it light for myself so that I don't end up either A, overextending or B, um, being uh like aggressively saying no and being and, and having a, a situation i don't like um so i think that so i think yes and, and that's the way it can replenish itself so um 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's like a yes and no. No, it's not finite, but yes, I think you can have enough in one situation. Um, but but I also think that the more and more you learn to uh, listen to yourself, wow, I'm talking like an expert, the, the more you'll be able to, to, to give in the way that's comfortable to you and it can become infinite, you know, because I'm only giving in this way and, and this is this is good, this is chill for me. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Nyaki. That's so practical, Nyak. I love that. Um, I think knowing your lane where you really enjoy giving yeah and trying to just as much as you can that's reasonable center that when people need you yeah to be there unless they don't if your way of giving is cooking and someone's you know family's died and they need you to come and just be there yeah with your hands in your lap um then you might consider that that might be the more reasonable thing to do you know to yield in that situation i think compassion's infinite I think we confuse compassion with internalizing, um, holding space with making it my problem, um, with being, right, there's right, a word right. for it, such a good word when we absorb uh, our empaths with being like just an empath to the point of like detriment. Yeah. Every time, and, and that's why I've had complications with my friends who've had mental health issues is because whenever they've needed me, They've never once asked me to, Makunda, please make this issue your own. Please suffer with me. Please internalize this and feel my pain. Um, they've never asked that, but I've assumed that's what it means to be compassionate. And going to Uganda, seeing the way people hold space for each other, just being there, like not even speaking, being in the room, letting people cry and just like sitting around with them as they cry, as they talk, and just physically sitting there in silence is enough. And when I think about the times I've needed my friends, it was never, I never needed to literally cut my grief in half and give them half. I just wanted to be around them. Yeah. Like I never needed them to come up with a solution. I never asked that. So I think we need to understand that. And then you won't find that se- that compassion is labor because compassion sometimes is just being a human presence in a room for people. Yeah. I think it actually often is. Um and me and Yak, with with I, I'm trying to practice letting people cry without touching them. Yeah, I think in DBT, one of our friends said I think in DBT that's what they do when you cry, you just go and they let you cry and finish. Yeah, because I'm making I'm trying not to make it about me that I need to console you. This is awkward or I feel bad. I want to console you. I want to make it better for you. No, like you you can cry and that's okay and it's okay to be in a space that's uncomfortable. Um, and I'm here with you and I'm letting you know that like I'm. The fact that I'm not trying to interrupt your emotional, um, like exorcism is show is is enough. Yeah, is 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 much more than a hug in in some cases. It depends yeah. what kind of grief you're experiencing. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, my answer was nice, hey. Well, I mean, it was verbose. Verbose, no, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, and then the second part of the question was people mixing alone time and communal time with self care and self expenditure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So communal time doesn't have to mean expenditure. Um, I think, hmm, I feel like honestly, okay, fine. So in Uganda, I can give willy nilly because I get that back so often with strangers and family. Um, we in West, Western facing countries, I feel like we, um, our emotional labor, we hold it like it's coins, like it's actual money. Yeah. And we're very careful with, I have, now I have 13 and you have 15. Aha, uh-huh, you need to give me two. So in the way we're so um, shrewdly transactional, 
you have to manage your circles. Dif- you have to manage your circles and make sure that the people in them that there's an open sharing there, yeah. and there's an open investing and an equal investing there because I don't think that's going to be a natural occurrence in our societies. To be quite honest, no, I agree. And so, and what I feel there is that um, at least what I'm going to take on board is to remember is to center myself in in a healthy way. And what would be healthy for me is to remember what being part of a community or what engaging with family or whatever it is that would have been taken as um, like uh, as a draining activity or whatever, but what it gives to me. So what the aspect of community actually gives back into my life and to remember that by engaging in community mm-hmm. in a certain way, it's actually feeding me and therefore it doesn't become those two opposites of, um, I forgot what the two words that she used or Was, he used or they... Um, they I need to actually be so much more conscious of they. they. Yeah, so basically the difference between um, self-care and self-expenditure. So it won't be expenditure if I am, um, I guess it's in a very maybe Western individualistic way, but if I, if I realize that community is what is keeping me alive and mm-hmm. healthy and well. So it kind of does come back to the individual if you need to look at it through that like Western lens, but yeah. it's, it's being part of the whole allows me to be well. Yeah, and community really is your own garden that you're watering. Um, like other people really are an extension of you as much as it seems mad abstract. Yeah. They just are. And I'm trying to, you know, coming back to Joburg, I'm really trying to be conscious about, I've got this like wonderful aura around me and about me um, from Uganda. And I have to like spread that because I really believe in being an active participant in the world I want to see. And I think Joburg could be kinder. Um, and people could be just more loving and like compassionate. And so I'm really trying to be that with just the people I meet around me. And what that means is it often sometimes means taking the first step of you, you're compassionate or you give someone time. You don't know if you're going to get that back. And oftentimes you do, but sometimes you don't. And it's taking that leap that I might not get this investment back. But the point is the investment itself. The merit is not in receiving it back. It's in putting it in. Right. Because it does energetically... Um, like energies is we we build we are building our society but with invisible bricks and yeah. that is like compassion. Oh my god, can I please quote our <gasps> baby boy Jesus Christ? Yes, what did he say? The the joy paraphrasing heavily, but the joy is in giving. Oh he said that. Yeah, literally. Was it when he went to the the, the poor people? Don't ask me for context. He did a lot. Literally. Mans was busy. He must have worn crocs. The, the oh hundred percent, hundred percent. Wear leather shoes. Yeah. I love Jesus. <laughs> Just what a cool, what a cool dude. Yeah, I know. What a cool dude. Like my, my cousin was asking me, so are you Christian? I was like, oh, no, no, the Bible. Mm-mm. But Jesus? Hey. Y'all got a real one. Like, hey. <laughs> that guy was fucking real. Just what a baddie. Thank you so much for listening. Thank y'all. This y'all was a beautiful. great episode. Yeah, it was a lovely episode. I feel like, Yeah. It was a fantastic episode. I was going to say, I feel like we need a, like a, a summary. Mm, okay. Yeah. So the major points, um, on my side is that with self-care, self-care is a self-facing act to replenish and regenerate and enjoy yourself. Um, and to spend time with yourself. Uh, capitalism is about productivity and self-care is about, um, deprioritizing that prioritizing joy and beauty and luxury and relaxing, whatever that looks like. Um, toxic self-preservation is when we 
are so concerned with making sure we're not used, depleted, um, taken advantage of that we isolate ourselves. Mm. Capitalism doesn't promote capitalism doesn't promote community we have to be aware of how it works it isolates us like divides and conquers so we have strength in numbers spiritually um, emotionally physically in every way um and community is our truth and so we have to make sure that we're not dividing ourselves from the herd in ways that hurt us you'll find time to replenish but not divide um, and it's important to look at the ways what me and Yak did in this episode, which I enjoyed, is look in the way, look at the ways in which self-care and toxic self-preservation, there is a fine line, but if you really think you can actually um definitely interrogate, like identify and interrogate the ways that you do both. So there's a lot of power in understanding that for yourself. What does that look like for you? Maybe answering texts is toxic self-preservation, or maybe it's self-care, different situations, different contexts. Um, apply yourself and like understand that for you. Yeah. And it only in in being honest with uh, yourself, with oneself, can you progress? Um, can you actually start finding balance in, in your life, I feel? Striving for balance. Oh, yeah, you believe in balance. Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in balance. Oh, you right, believe right. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, striving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can die on your side. I will not die. Truths, the truth you is that. You strive I arrive and just live nice. Do an episode when you find balance, eh? Because you're like, okay, okay, no. That's it for today. We're going to talk about our relationship. Oh, we already had a conversation about this. I think we did. Side eye. We love you all. Thank yes. you for listening. Appreciate you all. All right, till next time. So, um... Please DM us your thoughts and opinions. No, no, no. Leave a review for this episode specifically. Let us know what you think. This was more of a long form one. So I'm curious to see if like our really specific lived experiences were um, like applicable or actually kind of unnecessary. I'm interested to see. <laughs> yeah, I really want that feedback, um, you know, to find out what actually works for you and what doesn't. That's cool. Like I'm, we're really open to that. You won't get blasted or beaten. You'll be welcomed. You'll be called in. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.